Hey, this is Max from the Arkells, and you're listening to Underground Sports Philadelphia. What is going on, everybody? Welcome in to another episode of Underground Sports Philadelphia, episode number 258. KB coming at you live from Underground Studios. And then on the voice line, the one and only Matt Castarina is with me. What's going on, Matt? I'm just living the dream, eating some buffalo chicken, watching our Sixers do the thing. The Sixers are indeed doing the thing, and everything Matt is doing constitutes of living the dream, in my opinion. So, uh, very on brand, uh, especially for the Sixers. But before we get started, got to give a shout out to our incredible local sponsors that help make this show happen Main Auto LLC, Ducharms Pro Foot, Security 21, Paul J. Gillespie Incorporated, Bob Novick Automall, Mark Ronchetti, CPA LLC and the Dental Wellness Center of Vineland, and of course, our awesome merch provider, DesignTree, dsgntree.com. Search Underground Sports Philadelphia. You can get our Flyers Let's Dance t-shirt, which uh, they look like they are on the verge of dancing into the next round. Uh, Potentially, tonight, we will get into that. Uh, We've got, obviously, our, our hype beast, Gritty, that you see in the background of every show as well. And all of our good Philly sports merch. Use the promo code DSGN5 at checkout. Saves you $5 off your entire order. And then our friends over at Tomahawk Shades doing the damn thing the right way. A quality product for an affordable price. You guys see me wearing the Blue Light Plus glasses every single show. They, they've helped my eyes. I feel better throughout the day wearing these things. Uh, when I'm staring at screens or you know typing up blogs, editing, all that good stuff. So make sure you head over to TomahawkShades.com. Use our promo code USP at checkout. Saves you 25% off your entire order. It's absolutely ridiculous the way that they hooked us up with that promo code. Use the promo code USP. Saves you 25% off. And then all orders over $75 right now qualify for free shipping. Matt, let's get into the Flyers. Uh, They are one game away from uh, moving on to the next round of the Stanley Cup playoffs. They are, and it's been um, two good bounce-back games from that shelling they got in Game 2. Two straight shutouts, which is impressive. Offense hasn't really stepped up or come back to life, but you're also playing against still one of the best goaltenders in the league. So can't find too much fault with that. I think uh, the silver lining here is, again, those two straight shutouts. The, the defense looks great, and I think that's a great mental bounce back. Um, but I think this Flyers team still has some areas to improve on if they're going to you know, go deep and actually make a, a cup run this year. And Obviously, the biggest one is, is the power play has gone pretty missing <laughs> during this, this bubble experience. But overall, to be sitting here with a 3-1 advantage you know, going into the next round, potentially tonight even, is, uh, is a really good spot to find yourself in. And Carter Hart looks amazing, uh, which I think is probably the most important aspect to this team's success going forward. And that's that, to me alone, is, is very good. Yeah, I mean, Carter Hart has looked every bit of the part that a, a professional goalie who has been there, done that before, uh, and he literally just turned 22. He's in his first playoffs. I put a a blog post on the Underground Sports Philadelphia website last night saying that Carter Hart right now is the most important Philadelphia athlete right now across the board, any team. What he's bringing to the table and how desperate the Flyers have been for elite goaltending, he's the most important athlete right now of any of the teams. And it's, it's rare, too, when you're able to fill such a big need with especially someone that you drafted and, and have at a young age and you would assume that now going forward you'll have Carter Hart for a very long time and 
the way he's playing and you expect him to progress, he's going to be a very, if not great goalkeeper, uh, you know, for the next 10 plus years, let's say. Um, it's, it's rare for that to happen. And it's even more rare for them to handle it with like the grace and the ability that he has. And, you know, just what a fantastic, fantastic player he's been uh, for the Flyers. And yeah, I think he, you make the case and it's true. You know, when you, you talk about the most important you know, Philly athlete right now, it probably is him because the Flyers more than the Sixers right now look look poised to make a deep run. Phillies, it's way too early to say. Um, but yeah, I mean, Carter Hart, I think he is, he's the man that everyone's looking to. And, and you know, in the past, the, the, the Flyers have had goaltenders like this, right? I mean, Hextall was <laughs> the, the, you know, the, the GM here and he was a beloved player and and even a beloved you know front office guy i think still today there are people that you know probably it's not like brian colangelo right with the sixes where mm-hmm. you're happy to see the other side of him i, I think most people still look back at Hexel and probably even look at him fondly because a lot of these young stars that we have were drafted under his kind of watch um jason Tatum just pulled up from the logo and heaved one sorry i'm a little out of loss for words but that's um you know he he's we've we've had Carter Hearts in our past, and you know we've always embraced them, and he seems to really uh, enjoy it, you know being here and, and being a part of this process as well. So for me, I'm very very excited on, on Carter Hart. Yeah, and I mean you look at you know I talked about it on the episode that came out today. You know you look at game two where the Flyers got absolutely shellacked five nothing. Uh, Carter Hart didn't really have any help in front of him. You know, a lot of people want to say that he didn't have a great game. The whole team did not have a great game. If you lose 5 nothing, your team as a whole is not having a good game. But that's a game where a young player, if they're not mentally tough and mentally strong going into a playoff scenario, that could have, you know, been the, the downfall of Carter Hart. But he brushed it off, came back, and now has, you know, delivered two back-to-back shutouts for this Flyers team. And I think that game two loss... We're going to look at that, you know, in the grand scheme of things as something that helped Carter Hart's career more than it actually hurt him. Yeah, and I don't think, um, for me, I, I, I didn't look at that loss either as, as a blame on Carter Hart. Mm-hmm. I think the team as a, as a whole, even going back to game one, Flyers, let's face it, haven't looked amazing in this series, which is a slight concern um, because you, we saw them all play really fantastic in the round robin. And this is this is not a great matchup, the Canadians, and we talked about this kind of in the preview for the series. That it's also a team that just got hot as well, and was able to to dispatch you know uh, another team, you know the Penguins, to get into this uh, this actual playoff round. They wouldn't normally have this shot, so you you have to be mindful of that. Again, anytime you have Carey Price on, on the un- other end of the ice, that's always a difficult challenge. And they've been a very physical team with us for sure. I think you could also say in game two that, you know, I don't want to be a very typical Flyers fan here and say that the refs screwed us, but there was some very questionable calls or at least no calls as well in that game. So there's been a lot of things I think that have, you can't really account for uh, when you step on the ice like that. But, you know, this has not been an amazing series for the Flyers, but I do think it's a little matchup oriented. And yeah, for me, that loss doesn't fall on really any one particular person's shoulders. I think that was just a total team failure. Um, but again, when you bounce back, two straight shutouts after that. Yes, we're not seeing the offensive production. Maybe we'd like to. Um, it'll be weird if we say win one nothing tonight and we only score like six goals to win a series. But hey, you know that's that's sort of been you know this Flyers team has been able to adapt over the course of the year too and sort of change shape and change style. So would it be that surprising if this team really becomes defense oriented as as we get into the playoffs? I mean, we saw them already limit you know the top teams in the conference already to about a goal a game, right? During the round robin stage, so are, are we surprised if that if maybe this is a team? Maybe this team is, would rather win two nothing than five four. Yeah, I mean, you you also look at the fact that they are up 3-1 right now, and like you said, they aren't scoring a lot of goals. The power play has been quite awful, to to put it nicely, uh, throughout this series, and honestly throughout the playoffs for the most part, if you want to group everything together. Um, But, I mean, the fact that they're up 3-1, have been outscored in this series, is a true testament to just how the defense has played overall, how Carter Hart has played, and I think it also goes into the coaching. I think A.V., and we've talked about this a ton 
on this show is just how AV sets the tone for this team going into each game, and he has made sure this team has been prepared you know, from top to bottom to make sure he's putting them in the best situation to win. Yeah, absolutely. And um, yeah, that's that's come also with, I think, think some, at least uh, some line of changes that have promoted some discussion, uh, you know, dropping guys and, and bringing guys back up. The Flyers, by the way, are one for 17 on the power play in this series, which is abysmal um, and not something I personally expect to continue, right? That seems much more like an oddity or an outlier than something that we're going to see carrying forward. This team's power play is much better than that. I think when you start seeing players get more into a groove here, that that is going to stop at some point. It has to, really. Yeah, because if it doesn't, Pico is probably going to pull their sponsorship. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, that's the best sponsorship I think we have in Philly sports, so let's not lose that. That and like anything that Tasty Cakes does, because that's clearly the, the superior food around here, but... Absolutely. Yes, we can't lose the Pico Power Play. That is an integral piece to uh, to our city. Um, going into t- tonight's game, you know, I I'm pretty sure this is the first back to back they've had, if I'm not mistaken, uh, of the playoffs. So that's going to be interesting to see. Av has not tipped his hand to uh, let us know if Carter Hart is playing or not. But you know, even if Brian Elliott's playing, I'm still confident in this team. What are What are you feeling going into this game? Because I think. Overall, the Flyers have the momentum. Coming off of two straight shutouts from you know your 22-year-old goaltender is a ton of momentum, in my opinion. But uh, I'm feeling confident that the Flyers can close this out and make my prediction of a 4-1 series win uh, come to fruition. I am always team player best starters, uh, pretty much no matter the circumstances, especially in the playoffs. Uh, you don't want to be booting holes the right and play 11 guys in the playoffs when you should really only be playing seven or eight. It's about the um, results, not the process. Yeah, right now, yeah. If this is, you know, January and this is a back-to-back, sure. You know, rest card hard. But this is the playoffs. This is a team that's, you know, given us some trouble this series that, you know, Obviously, that seems weird saying that when you're 3-1 up, but, you know, this is this is a team, if you have the chance to put them away tonight, do it. Because then, you know, the argument is, oh, well, you want to rest card heart. Well, if you win this series tonight, you get that rest, right? That means, exactly. that means you, you're very likely, um, and I, I think with the circumstances, uh, especially with the reseeding, it's not like in normal uh, playoff times where you'll just start the next round as soon as your opponent's available. I think they have to wait for everything to stop, don't they? I'm uh, pretty to, sure. To actually... So, I mean, you know, if you end early, there's your rest. I mean, that's that's your incentive. Um, so maybe under a normal program, yeah, uh, but I, I think you go full strength, whatever your best lineup is, and I don't think there's any conversation. Uh, the best lineup for this Flyers team has Carter Hart in it. You know, you can talk about some other guys maybe getting scratched or not, but Carter Hart is in this team's best interest to be starting every night. Yeah, because, I mean, even if this series was to somehow go seven games, we'd be playing through Sunday. So, I mean, I'm pretty sure everything would not start until Monday at the the earliest for the second round because you still have to wait for the Islanders and Capitals to wrap up and then Columbus and and Tampa Bay to wrap up. And, uh, you know, it looks like the Islanders are more than likely going to win that series. They'll play tomorrow uh, with a chance to knock off the Capitals. The Lightning uh, won in overtime today to end that series as well. So. You know, now you just kind of have to sit and wait for that, and then you have, uh, you know, Boston and Carolina, and Boston won today, so uh, I'm pretty sure that means they clinched their uh, their series against the Hurricanes. So now you just kind of have to wait and see, you know, if the Islanders win, because if they uh, prevail, that's that's the next uh, opponent. I'm pretty sure for the Flyers. Yes, yes, I believe I believe they are the low seed, and that's you know. Again, that's that's an interesting uh, matchup for the Flyers. I don't think a particularly good one, to be honest. Yes, I think it's it's one of those situations where I actually kind of rather play almost anyone else. Yep. But, um, you know, I, I think the the Flyers again their their ability to adapt over the course of the year. And but you know, by the way, they've they've only lost one game in this bubble when they've pay, played some very strong teams so far. Uh, so that's impressive in of itself. Um, and again, the, the defense has translated well, which I think is is a huge success. I think more than anything, too, what this has shown us is that one of our biggest fears was that this team was just sort of a flash in the pan and that, you know, when the season had to be stopped, that there goes our chance, right? But 
I think more than anything, this bubble has shown that this Flyers team is is going to remain uh, this good and this competitive, uh, you know, for for the years to come. And and it wasn't a fluke. And Jesus Christ, the Sixers are just getting shredded by Jason Tatum oh, right now. Not a surprise. Not not surprised. <laughs> yeah, it's his, his fifth three right at the uh, right at the early stage of the second quarter. Here we were up, you know, twenty seven to twelve, I think, at a point. Pepperidge Farms remembers. Hashtag not a sponsor. Um. But yeah, I think the Flyers end up closing it out tonight, and then we'll kind of have a nice little little rest, and we'll we'll see if it's the Islanders or if it's the Bruins. But more than likely, looks like it's going to be the Islanders, unless uh, the Capitals somehow pull off the unthinkable and uh, come back from being down 3-0 like the Flyers once did against a, a Boston-based team, perhaps, and made a very sneaky sneaky cup run. That would be great. I would love. I would love to see the Sixers in the finals, but uh, I'm so sure. <laughs> yeah, let's uh, let's switch gears to the Sixers. Um, they end up losing Game One in what was just such a winnable game, in my opinion. The Sixers just had so many turnovers. They didn't capitalize on a ton of you know opportunities that they had. Um, what were your overall thoughts of, of game one? Because it just, it, it made me want to pull my hair out because of how winnable that game was. Well, we had a very, very noticeable Ben Simmons sized hole in this team, especially defensively. And you're seeing it again tonight with Jason Tatum. There's no one on this team that can really handle him effectively. You know, our best defender besides Ben Simmons is Embiid, uh, who, who he just can't handle that role, right? Um, you know, the great thing about Embiid is no one can, no one on the Celtics has the capacity to deal with him on offense, but he's sort of lost on defense simply because that's not how the Celtics play, right? They play on the wing, and they're they're going to be able to shoot threes, which is something the Sixers is very foreign to them. Uh, so the biggest miss, absolutely, is Ben Simmons, and that's going to be however far the Sixers go. That's always going to be the case. And probably uh, our oldest nemesis, which is the turnovers. Uh, absolutely atrocious stuff yet again. I think we had close to 10 just in the first quarter, which just just kills you. You know, you, you're just you're you're ruining your own game at that point. You end up with 18 turnovers for the game. That's just not good enough. Um, but all, all things told, it, it was a close game for sure. And I think, you know, that gives you some positivity, I think, if, if you want to take it that way, you know, that. Uh, given all the circumstances right, you know, you can still be right at the wire with this Boston team and even have a lead uh, late in the fourth quarter. But again, you know, when Jason Tatum is, is able to, to kind of score at will, that's that's where you get lost a little bit. And I, I think Ben is such a huge loss, especially on the defensive end for this team. I, I don't know. This series is already going to be a very difficult win for them. I, I Even beyond that, I think makes it even harder to predict. But I just think uh, I think they're they're in a really tough position against this Boston team. Do you think they get swept? I don't think they get swept. I I, I think I think they win at least one game. Um, but I, I I don't I don't think a sweep is is necessarily on the cards. I wouldn't be shocked particularly, but I think they win at least one. I mean, you know, it's not it's not impossible for the Sixers to win this series. I, I think they're they're good enough and talented enough to do it, and they've shown that. But again, you know, when you're missing a guy like Ben, it's, it's always going to be a, a, a real challenge for you. But um, I know Gordon Hayward also is, is struggling now, too, with uh, with an injury. So I guess I guess that makes it even. Uh, but no, it's... Um, what can you say? I mean, the, the Sixers team is going to need big change this uh, this offseason for sure. And it's it's going to start with Brett Brown and it should also end with Melton Brand, but we'll see. Yeah, and uh, you know, I'm scrolling across the old Twitter timeline right now and Neto playing nine minutes being minus 14 and we have yet to see Alec Burks makes no sense to me. Yeah, well, so when I, um, <laughs> when I called you right before the show started, I said, uh, oh, we're playing really well and Embiid had just sat a little earlier than he had he, he set he got sat at like 534 left in the first quarter and Neto came in and that's where this uh this run started to happen unsurprisingly uh, getting some very 
sweaty flashbacks to the Toronto series last year with just any time Embiid was off the floor, it was like you just were grabbing the edge of your seat and trying not to throw up with how just terrible this team looks in it. If this team didn't have Embiid, you know, I would definitely say sweep is is in order. But um, you know, the, uh, one one bright side is Glenn Robinson the third might actually uh, be healthy and available. Uh, maybe <laughs> we don't really know because they can't even diagnose his injury correctly. They said it was a hip injury. Now it's an oblique injury. I get that those are in the same part of the body, but in my mind, I feel like you should be able to tell the difference. I don't know. I don't know what it is. It's just medical staff and their inability to to diagnose correctly and promptly, but it's a recurring theme, that's for sure. And um, yeah, I'm just watching the Celtics just just give it to us, and it's, it's a tough look, but you know. And I mean. Even to the Neto Burks point, like where Alec Burks has not seen any minutes yet so far, um, that is like what we're screaming into the open void about with Brett Brown. Like it, it's, it seems like he's so delayed when it comes to making the changes in game that need to be changed, and we're seeing it again right now where Neto's clearly not working change something, fix something, and it just seems like he's on dial-up compared to. Uh, almost every other coach being on, you know, 5G LTE. Yeah, I mean, Alec Burks has played well in the bubble so far, so I'm I'm really unsure. We, we've seen him a good amount this series, but, I mean, right now talking live, we're, you know, almost halfway to the game, and we've seen him for a minute so far. Uh, so, I, I, you know, you have that, that hot hand so far. Someone has been performing well. You're going to be missing Ben. You know, Shake hasn't quite, you know, established himself. He's, he's had a good game so far, but... He hasn't had a, a, a hugely impressive bubble, I don't think. So the Sixers are crying out for someone in that role uh, to, to sort of take control, and we don't have that. And that's going to be definitely one of the, the key things to address this offseason, right? You know, whoever's in charge, if it's still El- Elton, whatever, but uh, whoever is, is, is making decisions really need to make sure we get an established guard this offseason. Um, and they need to make big changes to do it, probably. But this team, I think this team blew up way too early and is now going to have to blow up again, I think, to, to actually uh, get almost back to where they were. But, yeah, they're in, they're in a tough position. There's been, you know, rumors floating around, too, of, like, because of the, the circumstances of everything going on in the world and, um, you know, the, the season being played when it is right now if an amnesty clause does come across and I know we've talked about this in the past like a couple months ago when it first got floated around uh between Tobias and Al Horford who would you drop the amnesty clause on uh Al Horford uh because I I think he's just the worst contract um you know it's it's four years at his age is I mean, we were even saying that last summer when we were trying to be as super optimistic as we could, and there's still hope that, you know, with Horford, things could work, and we'd have a great defensive unit, and it would allow Embiid, you know, more rest, da da da, da. Um, But we even then were saying that the last two years of that deal, we knew were not going to be good, that they were looking for the front half of that contract to be something to work for. Um, getting rid of Horford, I think, would be huge in that way, because he, he's the type of asset that you have to add a pick to right to get rid of where you have to add Seibel to to get rid of I truly believe you can convince a team on Tobias Harris he's young enough still and yes he's getting paid a lot of money but it's the max right like that's just how it is um you know if, if you can you can find a suitor for him I absolutely believe that you can find a suitor for Tobias Harris somewhere I mean look the Clippers are able to do it to us <laughs> you know we can I'm sure we can get one over on someone um, but I, I think Tobias as well is just the the better player, um, and I just think Horford. It's a, it's a bad contract and a player that is only going to get worse for Tobias. I, I think will only improve, um, and we're just getting absolutely shelled from three this game. This is diabolical defending tonight. Uh, and speaking of defense, because it's a strong suit, what were your you know first reactions to Thibel getting a start in the playoffs? I love him. Um, I, I think in game one he he played as well as you could really ask him yeah, to. Yeah, I agree. Um, I, I listen. I I've I've been really impressed with Fiebel all season. Uh, we were high on him last year as well. You know, pre-draft, and I was very excited when we drafted him because I thought he's gonna fit. He's gonna fit a big need for us. And again, one one 
I'm willing to to give anyone a pat on the back for this in the sixth organization is that they have been able to find guys like Landry and guys like Matisse late in the first um, that can that can give us help and that can play you know some meaningful minutes. Um, let's like let's not lose sight of the fact that he's a rookie and he's playing meaningful playoff minutes. That's not common at all. That that really isn't. So you know he's he's a good player. I would personally hate to see him traded, you know, just to get rid of Al Horford because what's the point in getting and hitting on these late draft picks if you're just going to use them to get rid of mistakes? You know, to me, that's that's a big, that's a, that's where you really start to spiral as an organization. Um, I didn't really love getting rid of Landry. I still don't. I really wouldn't love getting rid of Matisse for for that same reason because I, you know, what's what's the point? What's the point of even having first round picks, right? You know, um, we luck into one this year. This is going to be the year where you can finally probably sell first round draft picks, and I wouldn't be surprised if we do that. So, but yeah, I like Matisse. I think he's he's shown himself to be a very capable player over the course of the season. Has definitely gotten more comfortable shooting the ball. And again, I mean, he was obviously an older draft, right? Like he's, he's, he's an older guy. He came out as a senior, but so he's obviously going to be a little more polished and his ceiling maybe isn't quite as high. He's still 22. Like the guy's going to improve, mm-hmm. you know, it's not like, you know, he's, he's like a Tobias Harris, right? But like, oh, this is probably his final product. I mean, you'd expect Thibault to improve as the years go on and he's already defensively really special. Um, if he can be just above average, you know, even just in the three-point shooting area, that's a very special player, right? I mean, look at Danny Green this offseason, right? Gets paid big money to go to the Lakers. Like, these are, he's in that type of mold of player that is always, always going to be used in, in, this, in this NBA, right? Where he can defend very well in the perimeter. He's disruptive. And if you can get him to consistently shoot well, that is a very, very good guy to have, uh, whether he's starting, whether he's on the bench, whatever. Yeah, I mean, I've been impressed with Thibel. He's He's been very poised. Um, obviously, the offense hasn't fully been there, but defensively, he's been good. And like you said, it's very rare for uh, an NBA rookie to be starting in the playoffs, you know, year one. So anything, I think, from Thibel, uh, you know, playing meaningful playoff minutes right now is such a bonus for this team. Yeah, exactly. And I think, again, you know, for me, I don't have high hopes for the rest of, of these playoffs for the Sixers. Um, so it's all about, for me, just trying to <laughs> kind of get myself used to what the future is going to look like. And, um, you know, I want Thibel to be a part of that. Absolutely. Yeah. And, uh, you know, when it comes to the future, the uh, the Phillies have been introducing us to the future quite a bit lately. And uh, our boy finally made his debut, Matt. Had to, had to get your reaction to... The, the prince that was promised at third base, Alec Bohm, finally being called up by our Philadelphia Phillies. Well, they say there are two moments in your life that you never forget. Your wedding day and the day that your first child is born. And I will never forget also, on that third list, the day that I watched Alec Bohm make his debut as a Philly and look completely like he belongs there. He's... He's like the fish that came out of water to start the evolution. Like he just grew legs and started walking. He is beautiful. I love him. I stand him. I'm so glad that he came up and, and it performed right away. It's like we've been saying this for like a year or something now that like, hey, just bring him up, see what happens. We finally brought him up and he's doing well. And that's fantastic. And by the way, Phillies, I'm going to say this very quietly. Here's my quiet voice. The Phillies have looked kind of good. They look pretty good. All things considered. Um, but yeah, and Alec Bohm, I think, deserves some credit for that. I think he injected a little bit in this lineup. I, I, we were crying out for someone to come up and hit consistently, and he's done that. And that's, to me, I love it. I'm, I'm very, very pumped to see Alec Bohm doing well so far. Yeah, I mean, Alec Bohm, Spencer Howard are two guys that we have talked about on this show for years now. Um, and they're finally both here. Spencer Howard's going to uh, start game one of the doubleheader against the Buffalo Blue Jays. Uh, and, you know, Alec Bohm, like you said, he it was like just a, a seamless fit. You know, he slides right into this lineup, and everybody wanted to knock him for his defense. And, oh, he's going to be a first baseman because he's too big, and, you know, he's not great. He has made some incredible defensive plays to start his career. Like, you know, he's been running out into the outfield. He's He's made incredible throws over to second and first base that are just like 
uneven throws from where he's positioned. Like defensively, he has been above average, and that is the one thing I think so many people were concerned about with Alec Bohm. And he's proving so many people wrong defensively, and that's what I've been really enjoying about him being up here. Is defensively, the Phillies infield has been sensational since he, you know, went over to third. Gene's been at second and been an absolute wizard with D.D. Gregorius at short. Um, this Phillies infield defense has been a lot of fun to watch when they're not hitting. Yeah, and I, I think you made an important choice there, too, in saying that Gene at second, right? I think that's that's a big part of, of that improvement, I think, was moving him off third. Um, I just don't think he has like that, you know, that kind of agility and that kind of like just quick muscle reflex that I don't know that Gene really has. There's um, <laughs> no discredit to him because some of that is just genetics. Um, and I'm not sure that Alec Bohm is necessarily like gold glove candidate. Here's right. our Nolan Arenado. But I do think that he is, you know, he's just younger and a little more spry in that area. Um, but again, his his hitting is what we knew absolutely would translate to this level. We felt really confident on that, and it has. And that, to me, is a really, really important step for this this Phillies team that hasn't had a ton of success in developing guys, right? Like, that's been the biggest failure of the last eight years is that you had this golden generation, and you had to, to tear it all down, and you waited way too long to rebuild, right? So you really had to tank, and you hadn't hit on anyone yet. And now, you know, if, if you can get someone like him to, to get on a really good level, add him to what, again, I'm pounding my fist on the table, I think is a lineup that can absolutely go very far in the playoffs. I think positionally, this Phillies team has has pieces that, that can definitely work in October, right? Um, that's good. That That's good enough, right? It's, it's probably not going to be, you know, what 07 to 11 was for the Phillies, right? Where it just real dominant, real exciting Um you know, best team in baseball, you know, perennially that kind of situation. But they're certainly a team that can that can win absolutely, uh, and that's that's with smarter choices being made down the road. And I think Alec Bohm is, plays a huge part in that for me. Yeah, I mean, looking at this lineup now, putting Alec Bohm's bat, you know, in the five, six, seven hole wherever he's been hitting, has made this lineup that much deeper, especially in a year where Scott Kingery you know, hasn't really performed and I kind of expected it, you know, just because he's still, in my opinion, recovering from COVID-19 and, and still suffering from side effects from that. And it's a miracle that Scott Kingry's even been able to take the field from, uh, you know, the story that came out in USA Today about his experience with COVID-19. So putting Alec Bohm into this lineup, along with having the DH that has typically been, you know, Jay Bruce or JT Real Muto or Reese Hoskins here and there, they can hit for days, and that's what we've kind of expected from this team even before Alec Bohm got called up, is that they should be able to hit the cover off the ball in every single game that they play. Yeah, and, you know, we we even talked a little bit about what does this Philly season look like, right, and, um, you know, what would be a good season. Right now, they're on pace right around where we said would be a pretty good mark for them. They're 9-10, which doesn't sound amazing, right? But in a 60-game season, if you get to... 27 to 32 wins like in that bracket you might sniff the playoffs now the national league is looking like probably not uh that's that's going to be a, a pretty big ask um but all things considered i mean that would i think be a that's a good building block um i would love to see them actually make a playoff but you know you look at just some of these other teams and how they're performing i don't know how you make the wild card right now um you have guys apologizing because they're hitting grand slams i, Which I we wish will we get could hit two <laughs> i wish we could hit one i um you know for me it's just it's, it's a real tough ask and by the way too you know phillies have played a lot less games than the yeah. teams now they, they haven't really caught fully back up yet and that's you know, unfortunately, going to be something that I think hampers them a little bit when you're having to play double headers with the kind of frequency that they have. That's always going to be a tough ask. But um, I think there's silver linings anywhere you look. Zach Wheeler, by the way, has looked fantastic. Yes. You know, coming off sweeping the Mets, I think he's looked literally every game from him so far. I've been very pleased with him. I mean, he's he's pitched what are essentially, you know, in these times at least, almost complete games or complete games, um, and I think he's looked very good. Uh, and and I'm really impressed with what I've seen from Zach Wheeler, which puts me at a lot of ease because that's that's definitely a hole that we needed to fill, and we have. But 
this team is kind of the same story as last year, which is frustrating. Uh, offensively, a team that can compete with anyone, but when it comes to pitching, you, you're you're going a leg back always, and especially with the format of the season, you may have a doubleheader tomorrow. Um, you know that bullpen is going to be important. We know this bullpen is going to fail us. Why are we doing this to ourselves? But that's you know that's the situation that people uh, people above us have put us in. We you know as fans, we can only hope that the right decisions are made this offseason and they spend some of that money. Yeah, and you know when it comes to the playoffs, the Phillies right now, even though they're nine and ten, they're only two games out of first place in the NL East, which is stupid to think about. Um, you know the the Marlins are ahead of them at nine and eight. And uh, the Braves are fourteen and eleven, but they're right in the thick of this thing with with plenty of games to still go. They've only played nineteen of the sixty games. It's unfortunate they couldn't win today against Boston. Um, you know, and to to go on to that point, I think the bigger thing is this Phillies team, Matt. I think they they have some sort of allergic reaction to winning five games in a row because it has not happened in over a year. They have not won five games in a row since August of 2018. Yeah, we had mentioned this. I remember talking about this last summer, too. Um, it's unbelievable, <laughs> you know, <laughs> like that that's – it's it's almost a stat that's like – because they're not – the Phillies haven't been that bad in those two years that that's like, oh, yeah, that makes sense. It's like, well, they've been like a pretty average team. They should have done that at least once, you know. It's – I. It's an enigma. Uh, this team has, has just not been able to string it together. But, um, you know, we just when you just think about this season, and for me it's it's hard to take too much away from it just because of all that's happened and all that's happened so far, especially to the Phillies with having to, you know, quarantine for a week and what that does to you with your rhythm, what that does for you mentally. Um, you know, it, Adding on, you know, so many extra games now in such a shorter space, having double headers and things like this, so much with so much more frequency, it's hard to take a lot away from this without feeling just like almost like this season doesn't matter in a way. If that makes sense, like I, I'm, it's hard for me to judge the players necessarily on this season. Um, I don't know how you feel, right? But I, for me, like it's hard for me to say anything about Joe Girardi. Like for me, mm-hmm. he's getting almost a pass for this because it's like, well. I don't know how he's how can you how can you possibly fairly grade anyone under these circumstances? You know, like it's it's very hard to evaluate. I think pitching you still can, um, but I think for for even some some guys that are positional players, I don't know how do you really evaluate them after the season. So so topsy turvy, um, and I, I think that's going to be a big thing to to look out for. Not even just the Phillies, I think across baseball and uh, you know as we move forward, but this season has just been. I think uh, a real mess so far, and it's 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 about just surviving the the open water now for the Phillies. I think. Yeah, I think my only uh, knock against Joe Girardi this season is how how much he loves Dioli Scara. You know how he is still in this bullpen is beyond me. Yes, he got the job done uh, on Tuesday night, but the the amount of times he just goes to that man in the bullpen when there are so many other options that you know there's so many young guys now especially since they've jettisoned so many of these bad pitchers out of the bullpen uh his his asphyxiation and love for Dioli Scara is what I aspire to have whenever I eventually uh get married yeah I mean I feel that way about pretty much everyone in our bullpen actually uh and each time it's like (laughs) It's like, you know, like when someone asks you about like someone you went to school with in like elementary school, it's like, I don't know them. I think I need a picture to like match them up, um, except the picture doesn't even do it because I, I don't I feel like I don't know who these people are. <laughs> I feel like uh, every every time I watch a Phillies game now and we get to the bullpen, you know, there's some guys that have obviously we've grown accustomed to seeing, but there's some guys that come out. And I'm like, I genuinely don't think I've ever heard your name or seen your face before. And I'm not sure that there isn't some season ticket like reward program going on right now where you win the chance to go out and, and pitch in the bullpen for the Phillies because based on performance and based off of uh, notor- notoriety, I I wouldn't be shocked if some of these people are just South Philly residents that got lucky <laughs> on their email account. They're just throwing some of the pandemic crew out there to uh, to pitch in between it. Uh, you know, maybe, blow maybe- horns. 
maybe the old coal miners uh, finally dug the tunnel all the way through and sprung up, and they they looked they looked enough like Cole Hamels that uh, Matt Clentock got confused. I don't know, but yeah, to me, uh, you know, the bullpen itself. <laughs> I was even hesitant to, to critic criticize Gabe Kapler uh, for for the same kind of stuff, and I don't want to criticize Joe Girardi for it either because he can only do so much with so little, right? right? And and I it's. I don't know how much of that blame falls on him and not just roster construction. I think outside of that, he's he's definitely it's been a, a weird start. We've definitely questioned his love of Roman Quinn. Him being injured now means that he I think he has to look in other areas. Um but you know, he's he's a guy that has experience and I'm I'm certainly I think I've only kind of my opinion of him has improved as this season has gone on. Um and it's not like I'm talking anyway like I want to see the other side of Joe Girardi. But I'm just saying for me I've been I've been comfortable with what he's been doing so far this season. Again, given the circumstances, um, I wish he maybe would have been more vocal about I don't know not playing the Marlins so we didn't have to quarantine for a week. Um, I because I can't imagine he had no say in that. But you know that's that's a different discussion. I feel, but overall, when it comes, I think to to getting it right so far, I think Joe Girardi's done a pretty good job. Yeah, I, I think for what he's been given and what he's had to kind of work with. Joe Girardi's done a fantastic job uh, so far, and you know, like we said in our, in our whispering voices, Philly's team, you know, since the Mets series has looked pretty good. I mean, even in a loss Mets, today, <laughs> it is it is the Mets. Uh, but even in a loss today, you know, it still comes down to the offense needs to score runs today. I don't think was an issue with the bullpen or Jake Arrieta, surprisingly, um, and surprisingly, Jake Arrieta has looked really good this year. I'm sorry, I, I you cut out for the last like bit of that. I just didn't hear. Oh, uh, I just said surprisingly, Jake Arrieta has looked really good this year somehow. Yeah, he's he has looked rehabilitated. I guess you would say. Is Jake Arrieta um, really healthy, Matt? Is he was it the health the whole time? <laughs> I I think he's he's beyond a starting role still. I think if you had him in the bullpen, let's say as a relief guy, uh, you only asked him to maybe do an inning and a third, maybe two innings, especially given the way this season is where you're going to get a lot of work that way. Like you're almost getting starting load um, while being a, 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 you know, a bullpen pitcher. Um, but he's definitely looked, he hasn't looked worse than last season, I think is the best I'll say about Jake Arrieta, which is good given his age and his injury history that he isn't regressing. Um, but yeah, I, I, I still not, I'm not pleased with with having Arietta on this roster. Still, I'm not happy to be depending on him in any kind of capacity. Um, even see like Eflin kind of moving ahead of him in this uh, mm-hmm. rotation order, which is not a great sign considering. You know, you know what's so weird about Eflin is he has these like terrible outings. Yes, but also is great while doing it. Like he had eight strikeouts the other day, but only lasted four innings. Yeah, like what, like. <laughs> Make it make sense to me, you know, like that's, that's impressive. Those are, if you said through four innings, someone has eight outs, uh, eight strikeouts, you'd think, oh, are they like, that's gotta be like a shutout, right? Like they're, you know, probably they're looking at maybe even a complete game. Like, no, he was pulled. <laughs> like, <laughs> I, I, I just, um, I don't know. He is such an enigma to me. He's like, it's like trying to grab water. Like you look at it, it's beautiful. And then you try and grab it and it's like, I can't do this. I can't, mm-hmm. I can't process how this works. And I don't know if it's a cut bait situation. There's cl- again, there's talent there, but yes. this, this entire pitching <laughs> question that we have is one that needs serious solving this off season. That's, that's the biggest thing is that this, this off season has, has to be the year that they, they spend some money and really start to change it. And I don't expect you know, this time next year, right? Let's say we have a normal season again, and we're like top of the division, looking forward to a pennant race. All this, um, I expect that this is going to take another two, three years to really get at the level we want to be. But that's that's the situation that we're in, and it's it's some poor roster construction. But um, you know, guy, I think we can have no doubts about Bryce Harper has looked amazing. Um, I have to even eat some of my own words because I was I love Bryce. 
I was under no illusions that this guy is going to be the best player in baseball. He has shut me up <laughs> so far this season. It's a small-ish sample size, and we've seen him go in heat streaks like this. But, I mean, you're talking about a legitimate NL MVP candidate right now in Bryce Harper. The dude has looked he's, – he's played out of his mind. And I don't know if it's the dad strength. I don't know if it's the, the time off. I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's the fanatic cleats. But he has looked really, really good so far this season. He has taken every expectation I had for him this year because I'm I'm pretty sure I'm on the record either on Twitter or on the show saying that Bryce had a legitimate shot to win NL MVP this year. Uh, he was going to come back with a vengeance. You know, he ended last season on such a strong note. Um, I, I really thought Bryce was going to have a a pretty good season this year, and he has blown that out of the water. He's got five home runs through almost 20 games, uh, 15 RBIs. He's got an on-base percentage of 486. His OPS is almost at 1,200, which is just absurd. And if the season ended today, it would be his best OPS since his MVP season back in 2015. Yeah, he's been he's been unreal. I, I think he's, and that to me is, is very, very good uh, good sledding for, for the years to come, obviously, and, and what he can do. Um, and again, you know, he, his first season, tough to integrate, a lot of things going on, a lot of, let's be honest, not a great team around him necessarily. Um, this year was some progression, some, a new manager to see him performing so well and we'll see how it goes. Cause I mean, you're going to get a pretty good sample size, even with this shortened season. Um, it, I mean, if we get this Bryce Harper next year, right. When we hope to make some, some real positive changes, this is a guy you point to and says, this is a guy that can lead us to to a world series like genuinely this this mm-hmm. is a guy that can do it for you um and that to me has been such a such a great part of this season so far is just his performance has been unbelievable really really impressed with bryce harper this year yeah i mean you've gotten the elite season so far from at least one person in each part of the field you've gotten bryce harper doing what he's doing hitting 367 as well uh, you've got JT doing everything behind the plate, and then also when he's hitting, he's looked like an MVP. Uh, yeah, JT's top three in the NL at home runs right now. Just I mean, stupid. <laughs> you know? And I, I'm someone who has been critical of JT because I don't think he does it with runners on base enough. Yeah. And that is one flaw of his, by the way, though. I, I love JT. Yes. And as a catcher, he, is, he definitely has that in his wagon more than any other catcher. But he frequently goes like solo or gets, you know, like Hoskins to sort like, we need him to just, need him to stop leaving three men on base. So, <laughs> need, but yeah, JT has also been uh, on, on every level, really impressive as well. Yeah. Contact. You're not getting a discount. Uh, no, when it comes to resigning JT, uh, I think DD Gregorius has been sensational at shortstop at the plate. He's been as advertised. And then some, he looks completely back from the Tommy John injury, and uh, I, I just love watching D.D. play. He's been great. And then all the Aaron Nola doubters and naysayers saying that he's a, you know, number two, number three starter, you know, he, he's not a real, he has shut everybody up over his last four starts. Aaron Nola is, he's like just a quiet operator. You know, he is a guy that just, he, as if the Cole Hamill's, comparisons couldn't get like any greater I, I think Cole was the same way where he was so good and but you know what was great about Cole is he just showed up and just did his job and he was never like I don't mean this in any way but he was never like a loud guy right like he he was never a guy he just sort of just went about his work and that was it he was, yep. you never you never heard like a whole lot of noise around him he wasn't even a guy that like talk too much like to the media and i think noel is kind of the same way and i think cole we appreciate it and noel nola we appreciate in the same kind of way you know but they were never like even like overly like loved and appreciated guys i think until even cole left i think is when people really started to realize like damn that guy was amazing i think noel is kind of falling into the same thing i wish i don't know i feel like there's not enough nola love and i think it's mostly because we're not in the stadium right where you can yeah. really kind of see and feel that but I mean, he's had another really strong season, and again, if Nolan Wheeler, you're one and two, that's based on what we've seen so far this year. That's really, really good. Like that is those are two, I think, elite level guys 
that can that can get you places. And if you you resign JT, which you absolutely need to do, uh, you you have Bryce obviously. If we can get DD back, I would love that. You have Alec Bohm now to to nurture and grow. Potentially Spencer Howard. We'll see some of him tomorrow. Those those already are tantalizing pieces, right? And you can you even have further pieces beyond that. Reese has looked a little better in yes. the last few games. We've seen definitely, you know, some progression from him. I don't want to finally went yard. Yes, and I think that's that's a big part of it too. I think there's definitely a, a confidence issue there, a little bit of a mental block. So we'll see, you know, the next few few days and weeks if that kind of we get some of the old Reese back a little bit, get some grease in the wheels. But all things considered, I, I think this team is still in a good position to move forward, but this offseason is the most crucial, I think, in a very long time for the Phillies. Yeah, I'm I'm genuinely like very excited for these next couple games because I feel like they're starting to kind of hit a stride, and sure, they lost uh, you know, Wednesday afternoon, but I, I think that they're starting to kind of click in a lot of facets, and obviously we'll see what happens uh, against Buffalo because uh, that's what we're calling them this year. Uh, with the Blue Jays, you know, Spencer Howard, hopefully the blister issue uh, is gone and he's good to go because, you know, it's been two starts. There's been some bumps in the road, but I expected that with Spencer Howard. But I've been genuinely impressed by the way he's pitched. And then uh, in game two of the doubleheader, we get Matt's favorite pitcher, Vince Velasquez, on the mound. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, it's, you know. <sighs> Not looking forward to that. I'll say I'll just leave it. I'll leave it there. Um, you know, the the AL East is an interesting kind of opponent for us too because I think we kind of expected a team like the Red Sox to maybe be a little better this yes. year. They they sort of slumped a little bit. Um, I guess it shouldn't be too surprising considering the offseason they had, but it's it's rough sliding for them so far. Even the Blue Jays haven't been amazing so far. They've been a pretty average team. Uh, the Orioles. I mean, I wish we could say that They've they're they're a bad team, good. but. But uh, they've certainly shown us, right? But, yeah, you know, there's there's winnable games here. And I, I think for the Phillies, I don't I, – I expect pretty much every doubleheader is – it's such a coin flip for both games for no matter the team, no matter the skill level, right, or the talent gap. Just when you're playing two games in a day, it always gets a little little yucky. And I, I wouldn't be surprised necessarily to see a, a split tomorrow. But it's all about – kind of the performance and in the process now for, for I think a lot of these Phillies players, you just want to see them progressing and, um, you know, getting their first few starts, like, like Spencer Howard or with Alec Bohm, getting those kind of big league reps in and, and getting used to the speed of the game now and maybe a new position or harder position to learn. So that's, I think what's probably more important for this season. Cause again, I, I'm not sure that this team is really geared for a, a playoff run. Maybe they, they sneak in through the wild card, but I think this is a, a developing team still. Yeah. Uh, and before we discuss, you know, the final thoughts of uh, Fernando Tatis Jr., just got away and uh, Anna Horford tweeted a little bit ago, uh, maybe we could get Brad Stevens to coach a few plays for us. She's just like one of the worst parts of the, uh, uh, the Horford signing, I think. Um, I, just move on. Let's just move on. Just brutal. <laughs> to just an equally brutal. frustrating topic, I think. Uh. Fernando Tatis Jr., Major League Baseball as a whole, uh, has been set ablaze because they just love, you know, drama and reality TV drama, essentially. Um, he hits a grand slam in a game that is not over because anybody with, you know, any ounce of knowledge of baseball knows that there's no clock in baseball. So until that final out is recorded, in my opinion, everything is fair game when it comes to putting up runs. And we've seen with this Phillies team, no game is safe until that final out is recorded. Uh, hits a grand slam on a 3-0 pitch, and it made it that much better that Juan Nicasio was the, the pitcher uh, throwing to Tatis Jr. in that instance. And, and he takes it yard for a grand slam. And in a year where stats matter even more, in my opinion, for guys, because it's such a shortened season, you're only going to get so many opportunities. The fact that not only the the Texas Rangers were, you know, hurt by him going yard, but his own manager comes out and and scolds him for hitting a grand slam, and then he apologizes for it. Like 
I'm sorry. Grow the hell up. Like, this is such a disgusting display for Major League Baseball that you have one of your bright young stars that makes this game fun apologizing for hitting a grand slam. Yeah, I think... Okay, so I, I didn't see the game live. I just woke up the next day and had yeah. to like kind of go through like context. I had absolutely no idea what like I was searching like for the video to see if like did he like say something? Did he like bat flip? All I saw was that the, he broke one of the unwritten rules. I was like, what unwritten? What what rule are we talking about here? Like I didn't see any. I was like, did he take the bases slow? Like. <laughs> I I genuinely I seriously had no clue what he did wrong until I saw there's a three zero count. I was like, in my mind, that's not an unwritten rule. Like, oh, you don't swing on that. That's an unwritten rule for a batter. Like, it makes sense to not swing, right? Like, that's that's the unwritten rule. Is you know, if you're maybe playing a little smart, a little safe, you don't swing on a three zero count because you know you you kind it's quite, sort of a freebie for you. Mm-hmm. Um, that, also, that could also mean swing as hard as you can on a 3-0 count. Right. Why is it not the exact opposite? If you're going to get a because meatball guess, down the middle, like I'm going to, yes, I'm going to go hack at it. I, I was, I was floored when I when I saw that that was the the context behind all this because, I mean, these are professionals. At the end of the day, if you get shelled, you get shelled. It's on you. This isn't uh, little league where it's you know about you know growing uh, the love of the game and fundamentals and and all that and. and team sportsmanship and things like that yeah yeah all right lay off the brakes then if you're up 10 but this is the majors you're paid six figures even seven figures i don't know what to tell you <laughs> it's, it's if you're getting shelled it's gonna continue and there's there's no reason for another team to lay off the brakes um and and the pitch by the way was just an absolute softy he would be i would be upset if i was a fan of of a team that and i watched a guy just not swing all that um i think yeah the worst part of it is his manager coming out and and not having his back i don't i don't understand that um i would be really frustrated if i was a padres fan uh for lots of reasons but that would definitely make me upset if you know say girardi came out and said that about Alec Bohm, let's say, right? You know, mm-hmm. and, and like I would be, well, what the hell's the deal? Um, so yeah, it's it's a bad moment for baseball just because it's just old man yells a cloud meme again, right? Where it's yep. just, what, what what are we really arguing about here? Like, and again, as far as unwritten rules go, I'm sick of that. You know, and it's the same people that say, oh, there's unwritten rules, but then they get upset when, you know, people throw the Astros, right? Well, where's the. Where's the consistency with these unwritten rules? Because some unwritten rules say you can throw it pit at, uh, at batters, right? Sometimes when they quote unquote deserve it, but what these guys don't, I you know, it's it's such a mess. This this old just crotchety idea of well, that's an unwritten rule in baseball. Well, maybe you should write it then if you want people to actually care. About right. It. And by the way, good luck writing that into the rule book because it's a dumb it's a dumb thing to to get hung up about. And it's like. Rules, whether they're written or not, the the old saying goes, rules are meant to be broken. And, you know, people getting upset about a guy going and hitting a grand slam. And I love the players who have come out in defense of Fernando Tatis Jr. and their reasoning behind it. Uh, Garrett Cole said, you know, it's hard enough to, to hit a grand slam. So if you get the opportunity to do it, go ahead. You know, you had a bunch of players saying, you know, if you, you don't want them to hit a grand slam, pitch better. And that's exactly right. Like your job is to go out and pitch. You shouldn't be hanging meatballs on three and zero for a guy to go and and launch to the moon. Like if you don't want that to happen, go out and pitch better. Be a better team. Like don't get mad at a guy for you know doing his job. The game was not over, and he gave his team insurance runs before the game finished. And I also love that the next day he went out. The Padres were up like five or six in the fourth inning, and he stole third base. Just a, a giant middle finger to every single person that has uh, had an issue with this. The Texas Rangers, what a soft organization. Jace Tingler should be, you know, suspended and fired for you know those comments about his own player that he manages. Uh, if I'm Fernando Tatis Jr., how do you even like have the desire to go out and play for a manager who's not going to have your back in instances where he should? And by the way. This is like one of the young stars of the game. Yeah, this has been one of the most exciting players in this in this uh, in this season so far. Why would you want to take the chance? Like you are the Padres. 
you have not been good in my entire lifetime, okay? You <laughs> you make a, a big splash signing last year. You have a great youth system, right? You have guys like Fernando Tatis Jr. coming up, and you are excited about them. Why would you in any way want to alienate that person? Why would you even take the risk? This It was like the... This is like the easiest backup call you could have made in your life. This isn't even like, again, this isn't like a young pitcher throwing at someone where you maybe want to scold them publicly, you know, to, to get them back in right and not do dumb things like that. Like a completely harmless thing that benefited the team, by the way, because it drove in four runs. Um, I just, I don't understand it. And again, yes, yeah, if, if this was, uh, you know, say Joe Girardi did this, I would be extremely, extremely upset. And I think there there should be way more criticism, you know, in that area. And shout out to Joe Girardi for uh, saying that he agrees with the players and, you know, you should pitch better. And if you're going to hit a grand slam, go do it. You know, that's our manager right there. That's a, that's a winning manager compared to just a lame duck manager, in my opinion. You know, Jace Tingler is just kind of a, a guy that's out in San Diego that has talent that he's fortunate to uh, be around all the time and, you know, his comments kind of just showed the type of manager he is. He's soft, and that's unfortunate for guys like Manny Machado and Fernando Tatis Jr., who are extremely talented, and you have a manager that just truly is stuck in, you know, archaic ages of baseball. Absolutely. Uh, my final thought, Matt, is that uh, Nigel Bradham needs to be diagnosed for a concussion because he forgot that... Uh, you know, in four seasons that he was with the Eagles, they went to the playoffs three straight years. They won a Super Bowl, and uh, he claims that the last two stops he was at before the New Orleans Saints were not winning organizations. I, uh, I, uh, <laughs> I mean, I can't think of a team that's been more consistent, uh, at least playoff team, than the Eagles in the last, I don't know, like 25 years, besides like the obvious with the Patriots, like, yeah, I, I think the Eagles are, are right there in my mind. Like my entire life, they've been a team that pretty much every year is in the playoffs. You know, I I, I don't even know what the worst Eagles record I've seen in my lifetime. I think maybe six and ten. I think I, it was even, Andy's last year when they went four and twelve, but it was kind of like one of those lame duck years where nobody was really into it, and then they ended up getting Lane Johnson, so it all worked out. Yeah, I mean, this is. This is a team that is, I think, if you're talking about winning cultures and, and a winning uh, club here, I, the Eagles are a weird, weird pick because, yes, obviously first Super Bowl in 2017, but it's a team that pretty much always is competitive. I don't know. And mind you, he's saying this when his Twitter profile pictures, him kissing the Lombardi trophy. So, gotta gotta love Nigel Bradham uh, and his, uh, his memory loss because that... That was mind-blowing to me that he said that the last two stops he was at were not winning organizations. It's a, a dumb take. Pretty, <laughs> it's a very pre- good take. Pretty silly. Any final Maybe we thoughts? should stop playing taking uh, player ratings and evaluation seriously. I think that's, <laughs> that's what that says to me. Uh, any final thoughts, Matt? Um, go Sixers for however long we have them left here. Uh <laughs> We'll see what happens. Got to keep the faith. Let's hope the Flyers get it done tonight. Get it quick and out. Wash the hands. Wear a mask. Bang. Done. It's that simple. And uh, as always, guys, make sure you are following us on social media, Twitter and Instagram, at UndergroundPHI. You can follow me on Twitter, at KBIZZL311. And you can follow Matt on Twitter, at Matt Castarina. And make sure... You guys are subscribed to the podcast on Apple Podcasts. Leave those five-star ratings and reviews. Let us know what you're feeling about this Flyers team, the Sixers, Nigel Bradham's dumb comments, or how you're feeling about this Phillies team. As uh, We're also really, really quickly approaching the trade deadline, so it's going to be interesting to see how that all plays out uh, with with you know COVID-19 and all that good stuff. Five stars only. We have standards. We know you do too. Or you can check us out on Spotify, Google Play, SoundCloud, Stitcher, the TuneIn app, iHeartRadioRadio.com, wherever you get your podcasts. We are there. And uh, we'll be back later this week, hopefully talking about a Flyers opening round series win against Montreal. Hopefully the Sixers stay alive in the playoffs. And uh, hopefully the Phillies keep hitting the cover off the ball like they have. And uh, Eagles hit in training camp already. So, 
football has uh, snuck up on us, and uh, we'll be talking about Eagles football hopefully happening sooner than we think. But uh show wouldn't be possible without our awesome local sponsors, Main Auto LLC, Douche Arms Pro Foot, Security 21, Paul J. Gillespie Incorporated, Bob Novick Auto Mall, Mark Ronchetti, CPA LLC, and the Dental Wellness Center of Vineland, and of course, our kick-ass merch provider, Design Tree, DSGN Tree, Com, search Underground Sports Philadelphia and use the promo code DSGN5 at checkout. Saves you $5 off your order. And then the homies over at Tomahawk Shades, uh, part owner of the company, Chris Hogan, just signed with the New York Jets. Congratulations to him. Uh, TomahawkShades.com. All orders right now, $75 and over. Qualify for free shipping. And you can use our promo code USP to save yourself 25% off your order at checkout. Blue Light Plus glasses, sunglasses, they've got t-shirts, hoodies, hats, all that good stuff. Tomahawkshades.com, promo code USP. This has been Underground Sports Philadelphia, episode number 258. You guys are the absolute best. Like Matt said, wear a mask, wash your hands, stay safe. Let's go Flyers, let's go Sixers, let's go Phils, and uh, we'll talk to you guys soon. So for everybody here at Underground Sports Philadelphia, for Matt, I'm KB, we are... Signing off. Peace.